McWilliams? Yes, I'm here. And Mr. McGowan? Yes, I'm here. And Mr. Lynch? Yes, I'm here. Okay, please call the case. Case number 20-1020, the District of Nebraska, United States versus Anthony Hannell. And case number 20-1023, the District of Nebraska, United States versus Courtney Clark. Okay, Mr. McWilliams, proceed. Yes, Your Honor, thank you. May it please the court, my name is Rich McWilliams and I represent one of the appellants in this case, Anthony Hannell. The issue before the court today is whether a no record uh, return on NCIC creates reasonable suspicion to stop a vehicle where three facts about that check are, are true. First, that it was not yet complete or full. Second, that it didn't account for state-by-state -state discrepancies within the NCIC system. And third, whether it wasn't even the actual basis for the stop in the first place. And I think it's this third factor that makes the case so maddening in that the government is trying to meld two lines of cases to get a, a favorable result. The, the first line that of cases where the, where the police have pulled someone over for the wrong reason or for a reason that doesn't later pan out. And then secondly, the line of cases where they are depending upon errors from computer or, or dispatch systems in order to uh, later justify a stop. I think that the essence of this case comes down to the, the, the details of the NCIC system and why this court should not find that a no records check under these circumstances yields or creates reasonable suspicion. Computers so counsel, counsel, in that regard, do we know whether a report of not on file uh, from the NCIC means that there is something unlawful about the vehicle's registration or just that it isn't showing up on the system? seems to me that's a key factor. I think it is a key factor, Your Honor, and I think it's the latter. I think that when you were, the, these officers testified that uh, given their experience, particularly with regard to entering out-of-state plates, that, that they knew uh, that a no-record return could come back in the computer system, and that could simply mean that some sort of data had not been entered in to retrieve the data correctly, that it's not necessarily indicative well, that go, slow, go slowly, counsel, because Judge Gross's question was about the not on file. That's the first reply, right? And Correct. the second reply is no record, right? Correct. Well, yes, Your Honor. Yeah, yeah, they're different, and they're different words. Uh, does the record explain the difference in those two? I don't believe so. I, I, I believe uh, that the officers treated those two as functionally the same reply, that is, that in their world there was a valid plate on file and then everything else. And I don't believe that they treated those as being, as being distinct. And, uh, but in any event, neither of those two returns, I think, provide them with indicia that there is something illegal going on. I, I believe that they both testified that in their experience, particularly with out-of-state plates, that was simply an indication that they needed to delve further to try and find uh, the record. And in both, indeed, both of them testified that uh, it was common practice, protocol indeed, for them in that situation to, to check it a couple times and then resort to, to calling dispatch, who was, who was better trained at, at finding out-of-state plates. Uh, and I, it is I, true that both of those occurred before the stop, right? That is, the, office, the, the officers in the cruiser had searched on the computer two times before right. the lights were on. Right, correct. 
Yeah. Thank you for the timeline, but I was a little confused with the timeline because I don't think it has the two ahead of time, but don't worry about that. Proceed. Thank you for the timeline. Yes, Your Honor. Um, computers are not magic, you know, and I think that there is a recurring theme throughout the government uh, jurisprudence that they want to treat certain things as magic. They want dogs to be magic. They want computers to be magic, where if they get, if they get a word from a computer that something is true, that they can then rely upon that. And I think that the Dabolito First Circuit case explains why that's, why that's uh, foolhardy. Uh, it, it, even in a footnote, they quote the Justice O'Connor's uh, opinion in Arizona versus Evans, where, where she points out computers are a great resource to the police. They should use them, but they should not rely upon them blindly. And that's what you have here today. I've misspoken. You don't have that here today because the two officers in this case were never relying upon the computer to pull the car over, which is, again, why the case is so maddening. It's asking the court to resolve a hypothetical situation. Had the officers actually relied upon the computer? Counselor, system? don't we have many, many, many cases from this court and the Supreme Court that say that the subjective view of the officer doesn't matter? It's an objective view of the situation. It's so how do you it, reply to that? It's true, Your Honor. I, I don't think the question is improperly before the court. Uh, but it does ask the court to consider uh, and take into account things that simply didn't exist. You don't have officers testifying, oh, I pull cars over for not having a record all the time, and there's not even really a fully fleshed out uh, examination ever of what NCIC is because the reason in real life that they pulled the car over was because they had made a mistake previous to that in thinking that the car had committed a lane change violation. Counsel, I, there's, really, there's nothing unreasonable about officers relying on computers, it, it really depends on what uh, what the information means that they were told, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it depends on what these words mean, not on file and not on record. Does that, and let me ask this question, can, can objective reasonableness uh, be based on lack of evidence of compliance rather than evidence of non-compliance? I, I don't believe so, and I, I think that's, a, that's a, a, a very poignant way of putting it out. In this case, both officers testified that that they knew that the system was uh, complicated with regard to out-of-state plates. They knew it was, to use one of my kids' terms, glitchy with regard to out-of-state plates. They knew that there was there were problems in terms of what exp, uh, expiration date. So it seems that they, like these two officers in the Omaha Police Department writ large would, would understand that when you are dealing with an out-of-state plate, particularly one that appears to be facially valid and is indeed actually valid, that you can't simply rely upon a return of no record or or not on file. You don't uh, think that amounts, counsel, to arguable, reasonable suspicion or something of... What, what level do you think it is? It's some level of reasonable suspicion. You think it's never reasonable suspicion? I think it is... It is... It is... If we were to equate them, it is maybe alongside the hunch. Uh, something okay. that warrants, warrants further investigation to get to the level of reasonable suspicion. I, I don't believe that given the facts of this case and what these officers know about NCIC, uh, it rises to the level of, of reasonable suspicion. And in this case, the government even concedes in their brief that if the officers had entered in the expiration year that appeared on the Minnesota license plate, it still would have returned a result of no record. And so for the court to find that an NCIC return uh, that does not have... It, that is, that is a lack of record as opposed to affirmative evidence of wrongdoing, 
that would eviscerate a major Fourth Amendment protection for interstate travelers. It would basically put put the Fourth Amendment freedoms of interstate travelers in the hands of a handful of police officers who know the trick to NCIC to enter in the next year for the expiration date as opposed to the present year. And so when you have that, a... That's, that's, that's a very sophisticated argument. That really wasn't in either of the briefs here, right? Your interstate commerce argument? I'm not trying. I mean, I'm not trying to raise. No, no, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm being sincere. Boy, that's that's. Uh, I'd have to think about that a while. But proceed with your argument. Yeah. It does. It does amount to a major evisceration of Fourth Amendment protections. I mean, and there, are, Minnesota is not does not border Nebraska, but it's very close to Nebraska. We have a number of people traveling through here with Minnesota plates or Missouri plates, another uh, another state that they had indicated they'd had problems with before. Uh, if you allow traffic stops to turn solely upon no return or no record on file uh, on an NCIC, then that, that, that creates, uh, it incentivizes undue, reliable, undue reliance upon a computer system and incentivizes officers to not learn the tricks to, to get to the, to the correct. Uh, well, now, counsel, was there a record made here because Missouri has this variable deal where the number of years depends on, oh, my goodness, how old the car is and, oh, I won't, I'm going to get to tell you. You don't need to hear that. But what <laughs> you need to know is that, that uh, does that effectively say you can't use registration at all when Nebraska has a statute that says you've got to have valid registration of the car to drive on our, our roads, period. No, and we and again, obviously, in the record before the court, we didn't delve much into uh, 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 the various nuances of Missouri's uh, car registration. No, no. Yeah, but, but I mean, in general, for other states that have all this weird stuff. Uh, no, but I I think that it does underscore the point that you know when you are a, a local city police officer and you're dealing with a national database that you don't know where the data is inputted from and you are imperfect and imprecise in your abilities to extract the data that it, it creates a it doesn't get you to reasonable suspicion when you type something into your magic box and it doesn't produce some you know the, the precise information that you want it to you have to understand the limitations of the tool uh, you have to understand that you you personally as an officer possess an imperfect understanding of every state's car registration scheme you possess, uh, I mean, indeed, the officers in this case testified they didn't know how the, the data from other other states, DMV, you want, yes, Your Honor. No, no, I just wanted to, I was getting ready to tell you, you're in your rebuttal, and I noticed yes. you all have I will, uh, allowed I will. extra time for rebuttal. Okay, yes, great. Yes, I will stop so talking. We'll stop there. Then we're to Mr. Lynch. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court, opposing counsel, my name is Sean Lynch and I represent the appellee of the United States of America in this matter. This case involves officers with the Omaha Police Department conducting multiple data checks using the information that was displayed on a suspect vehicle's license plate. The officers used a law enforcement database that they are trained in using, that they are familiar with, and that they have found to be reliable in the past. These repeated checks all return the same result, that the vehicle's license plate was not on file. The district court properly denied the appellant's motion to suppress. The legal conclusions drawn by the district court are subject to and easily survived de novo review. The district court's factual findings are not clearly erroneous and are in fact well supported by the record. It's for these reasons that the, this court should affirm the district court's denial of the defendant's motion to suppress. It is well established. Let me go ahead and just jump right in. So. Do we know from the record what not on file means? Does that mean, is that evidence of uh, 
some unlawful activity or just that it's not showing up? Your Honor, <clears throat> while it was never explicitly asked and answered in such a manner, uh, the district court's order um, took that to mean that the vehicle did not have valid registration. And that's also consistent with references that the officers made at testimony, uh, in their testimony at trial. Did the district court cite any authority for that proposition? As far as, no, no, your honor. Um, but I would direct the court. And was to, there anything in the record to support that? Your honor, when asked about this or when discussing this, officer Harney on page 16, lines 14 and 17, uh, stated my partner had what is our information check of the registration on the plate via the police radio in the car. Um, so again, not explicitly asked and answered in such a manner, but the references have been to valid registration. And what about the other thing, the not on file, then the no record? How much evidence is there about what that means or what did the district court say about either of those two phrases? I understand those are the two specific phrases that came back. Your Honor, and I don't think that was necessarily explicitly answered in such a manner. I think that the district court and the parties used it in such a manner that it was referring, no record and no registration were interchangeable, that the license plate wasn't on file, so they couldn't verify the registration. Okay. And I can't resist asking the horrible question. About every Missouri plate, even if you just came from getting it in Rockport, which is, you know, right next to Nebraska there, and th those states do border, as you know. Uh, about every Missouri car can be stopped because, goodness gracious, we've got a system where you can't tell what the expiration date is, even after you get the notice from the vehicle people. It's like reading a code about when your expiration is and how long it's good for. So you could stop every Missouri car, and I don't, it may be true of Minnesota too. So what do you say to that horrible? Well, certainly, Your Honor, I, I think that the officers in this case had the training and experience that there is issues with Missouri plates, and that's that they've learned to account for that. They have not encountered that specific issue with Minnesota plates. Did they say that on the record? With, in what regard? I know they said Missouri. Did they say it about Minnesota, though, that they hadn't had that problem with Minnesota plates? Yes, Your Honor. They affirmatively said that? I believe so, Your Honor. And I Okay, good. No, no, no. Yes, yes is a good answer. But true. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I believe that the, what the officers had said is they had not encountered it with Minnesota plates. Now, there could be multiple interpretations of that. Um, I would hazard a guess that these officers have encountered Minnesota plates while in Nebraska, um, but they testified that they had not encountered that issue specifically with Minnesota plates. Um, and certainly when it comes to these traffic stops or traffic stops where officers are observing what they believe to be traffic violations, uh, the case law is well established that there's probable cause for a traffic stop if the officers observe any traffic violation, no matter how minor. Um, but even if we don't if the court does not find that there's probable cause for the traffic stop and instead applies a reasonable suspicion standard, the government would still succeed under that, um, that standard or, uh, standard for the officers to be justified in stopping the vehicle. And I think that dovetails with what Mr. McWilliams said in uh, response to questioning by this court, that it would warrant further investigation. And that's the particular point of reasonable articulable suspicion is for the officers to investigate further to confirm or dispel their belief that a violation of the law may occur. Counsel, may let me ask you uh, the same question then. Is there, is there a difference legally between evidence of non-compliance and lack of evidence of compliance for reasonable suspicion? 
In this particular circumstance, Your Honor, I don't believe so. Um, and, and the reason I say that is for vehicles to be operating on the road in the state of Nebraska under state law has to have valid registration and compliance with the Motor Vehicle Registration Act. So noncompliance would be a violation and evidence or lack of evidence of compliance would also be indi indicative of a law violation. So, so let me ask you this hypothetical, and, I, and I'm not sure it's a perfect uh, analogy, but let's suppose I'm in a jurisdiction where concealed carry is legal. And an officer sees me walking down the street, and based upon my clothing, he thinks I'm carrying. And so he looks uh, on a database to see whether I've uh, got a license to conceal carry, and it comes back no record. Uh, is that reasonable suspicion to, uh, to stop me? Based on just clothing alone, Your Honor, I, I don't believe so. Um, well, there's, but, a lump, there's, a, there's a lump under my jacket he thinks I'm, I'm carrying. Yeah, I think there would be other factors that would be required in that scenario. Um, in, in this particular situation, the officers clearly have information that's readily visible that they can verify. Um, and based on that, they found that there was no record on file. With, in the situation with carrying a concealed weapon, um, I think that the difficulty would be was, one, how the officer would know who that individual was. And if the officer made contact with the individual, at least under Nebraska law, the individual would have to immediately disclose that they have a concealed carry weapon. If the officers are seeing just a bulge, I think then the other surrounding factors would be necessary to uh, determine whether or not that officer's reasonable suspicion was uh, sufficient to stop that individual to investigate further. Of course, of course the, the reason for my question gets back to the uh, evidence of non-compliance versus lack of evidence of compliance. Yes, sir. Yep. And, Your Honor, I, I think that it, in regards to the case that was raised by the appellants from the First Circuit in Dapolito, there's a, a good dis, uh, distinguishing factor that the court recognized, the First Circuit recognized in that case in situations where it's just reasonable suspicion with someone standing on the street or in situations where someone or the officers knew that that individual had a valid warrant. I think this situation is more akin to that that scenario where the officers had affirmative uh, reasons to believe that a, a violation of the law was occurring. And again, my answer would still be that um, non-compliance or lack of evidence of lack of compliance would still be the same as far as justifying uh, the stop under a reasonable suspicion standard. And in regards to that, your honors, I, I, the court, the district court made particular findings that the NCIC database is reasonable, that the officers were trained in its use and how to use it. Um, and in regards to what the appellants have raised in their, uh, in their briefs, uh, one of their major, one of their, uh, issues is that the officers did not wait for dispatch to come back with an NCIC check. That's not necessary for the officers to stop the vehicle. Certainly one uh, or one check of the vehicle's registration on NCIC would be sufficient to warrant stopping the vehicles. A second check just adds to that reasonable suspicion. And the third uh, database check coming back from the information channel by dispatch occurred prior to making contacts with the individuals, uh, Mr. Hanel and Ms. Clark, uh, which is similar to prior case law 
from this court in regards to mistakes that may have occurred with uh, in transit plates, but certainly dispatch returned the same result that the officers did, uh, given the information that was readily displayed on the plates. Granted, the registration was ultimately wrong, but the officers can't check vehicle identification numbers while the vehicles are traveling 65 miles per hour down the freeway. Um, so for all these reasons, Your Honor, uh, or Your Honors, uh, I would ask that this court affirm the decision of the district court denying the, uh, the, uh, the appellant's motions to suppress. Uh, the findings of fact were not clearly erroneous. Uh, this uh, case clearly uh, would pass under a de novo review for the law violations. And if there aren't any other uh, further questions, I would uh, submit the matter to the court. Okay, Mr. Lynch, I see no further questions. So thank you for your argument. And I understand Mr. McGowan is going to go first here. I thank you for the nod, Mr. McWilliams. So Mr. McGowan, please proceed. Thank you, your honors. Uh, my name is Richard McGowan and I represent the interests of uh, the co-appellant Courtney Clark. Um, I obviously joined in Mr. McWilliams' arguments. Um, in addition to that, on rebuttal, um, very briefly, a couple of things. Mr. Lynch uh, referenced the in-transit cases. Um, I, I note that one of those was the um, Miranda Sotolago case from the Seventh Circuit. Um, there, um, part of the testimony was that the um, temporary vehicle tag was, quote, unlike any Indiana registration tag that the officer who stopped the vehicle had ever seen. Here, there was no evidence that, that Durango's Minnesota license plate was unlike any other Minnesota license plate that the officers had seen. And because of the proximity to Nebraska and Minnesota, I would submit that the officers are familiar with what Minnesota license plates look like. Uh, it's much more difficult to um, forge um, a license plate than it would be in transit. I'm sure we're all accustomed to seeing some homemade in transit uh, signs that look suspect just as we're driving around where people hand right in. Um, um, another thing I would uh, direct the court to uh, page 31 lines two to four of the transcript from the hearing. Um, all attorney on cross-examination quote, said he didn't know if Minnesota was one of the states where you had to enter in the expiration year or not. Um, it's important to bear in mind that the default for the system that they were using um, just had the current year, not the expiration um, year on it. And to me, the, the most but important fact I, I, I under, Excuse me. I understand that. But if you just keep reading the next two lines, Officer Harney also says that uh, he had never had any problem with any uh, Minnesota plates uh, uh, in the past. And then he volunteered that Missouri is a huge problem, uh, <laughs> which would confirm what Dwayne had, uh, Judge Benton had said. You know, but at the end of the day, what I keep coming back to is pretty, pretty straightforward to me. I sit there and I look at it. The officers run twice. Uh, the plate, they've come back that there's some problem with it. Um, I think that trying to say that a reasonable officer ought to be debating in his brain whether a lack of compliance evidence is the same as evidence of non-compliance. I mean, that's imposing a pretty high uh, legal sophistication uh, on an officer who just says this vehicle's not properly registered. Nebraska law requires a vehicle to be properly registered. Um, and so the stop ensues. Why is that? Why is that wrong? He hedges as the answer was saying, not off of the top of my head, but I think the officer's actions uh, speak the loudest um, and, and most importantly, 
in this case, they're still checking it. They're checking it for a reason. They've checked it once. Uh, they're checking it twice. I think at some point in this, it should come to the officer's attention that if it's not coming back as registered, I've checked it once, maybe Minnesota is one of those states like Missouri where you have to enter in the number. So it's clear that they weren't stopping the car for that reason. It's clear that um, they did not know if that plate was good or not because they've run it twice and they're calling it a dispatch and they're getting word from dispatch after they initiated the stop. And with that, I would yield my rebuttal. With no further questions, I would yield my rebuttal time to Mr. McWilliams. Okay, Mr. McWilliams, you have about a minute and a half left. Go ahead. I, I would. I, one thing I think is helpful, and I'm just going to, you know, I've got a minute and a half, so I'm going to throw some stuff out here. Uh, you know, as if you had a dis, if you were in a small town, and you had one dispatcher and two police officers, and the dispatcher was always wrong or was right only about half the time. Uh, it would come at some point where where the local defense bar might say, like, we you know when you when you call into you know Daryl the dispatcher and he's wrong half the time or he provides improper information. At some point, you have to start understanding that you need to do more digging before you could start pulling cars over. And I think that's what what the testimony about the NCIC system uh, conveys to the court is that. These officers know that it's an imperfect system. They don't really know where the data comes from. They are imperfect in their abilities to retrieve the data and know they are on notice that with regard to out-of-state plates, or at least non-Nebraska plates, that there at times can be problems getting to the truth of the matter, which is whether or not the car is properly registered or not. And so, you know, again, we're operating in a hypothetical world where these, where these officers were actually pulling the car over for failure to register properly, but in this situation, there has to be some, some accountability to the local police because they owe a duty to the, to the traveling public to not pull over cars just to check their, type their VIN in to the computer system. So I think that the motions to suppress should have been granted. I would ask the court to reverse the district court. Okay. Thank you all for your argument to the court. Case number 1020, United States versus Anthony Handel, and case number 20 uh, 1023 United States versus Clark are submitted for decision by the court.